Welcome, Traveler's Blueprint community. I am Elliot Shibley, and here with me, as always, is the very animated Robert Demena. Thank you, Elliot, and hello, TTB community. Before we get into our show today, I want to remind you of some of our partners. Um, check out Miniband of Memories. He is a blogging platform that uh, it's for travelers who want to share their stories but don't have their own platform. It's really cool. I've written two articles for them now, and we kind of share and swap guests. So we have a cool thing going with them. Uh, Little Passports is a monthly subscription for curious kids who love the world. Each month, you get a new package um, containing new activities, souvenirs, projects from different locations around the globe, and travel by locals. It's like Airbnb for travel guys, essentially. They provide a website so you can reach out to locals who spend their free time hosting local tours. Really cool if you want to get a, a really authentic experience with whatever uh, city that you're traveling to. Um, they have a list of cities on their website. So all three of these partners can be found through our own website. Um, just go to the Partners tab on the upper right-hand corner of our website, and you can check out Minivan of Memories. You can shop through Little Passports, or you can look at guides through Travel by Locals. Before I discuss who our guest is today, I do want to mention that there's some information in the outro that discusses discounts to some of her upcoming webinars and other events. Our guest today's story started the same way many other guests did. She left her safe, steady, familiar, comfortable career to explore the world and find greater meaning in her life. Now, she took that experience and now helps others find the courage to step out of the known and into the unknown, whether that be traveling or finding a better balance between work, life, family, and friends. Our guest today is the Design Your Detour coach, Kelly Abanda. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Kelly, welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Bob and I are very excited to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. I am super excited. I love what you guys are doing, and I just can't wait to connect with everybody. Yeah, well, and that's what we're very excited to have you on, because there's a reason we asked, and you kind of planned a three-month adventure a few years ago, and that has since turned into about two years of exploration, and these are in your words, exploration, reflection, and ultimately soul-changing transformation. And you now provide courses for people to kind of get out of a rut, kind of get unstuck from daily routine, and not feeling fulfilled in life. And for all of those reasons we are very excited to talk to you about what your platform is and what you're doing now to help other people. I'm so excited to talk about it and you said that so well so succinctly the last few years of my life so I I can't wait to talk more about it and hopefully I think there's going to be some things that your listeners will be able to pick up some nuggets and hopefully have some inspiration to get into their own adventure. Yeah, um, hopefully, I think Bob and I will too. That's what hopefully. I was going to say. So not only our <laughs> listeners, but but Elliot and I too. Um, this is something that we've both thought about and and are also just generally interested in learning more about. So, I mean, um, can we start off with maybe the moment or or bring us back to your life when you had the the epiphany to to start this transition and and essentially bring you to where you are today? 
Yeah, so it it happened fairly gradually and then all of a sudden at the same time. So I, you know, I was building a pretty standard life. I was living in Los Angeles. I was in a senior leadership role and I was, you know, moving up that ladder, you know, increasing my salary and my responsibilities just like you're supposed to do, right? Um, and I started saving up to buy a house. And if you know the real estate market in Los Angeles, it's crazy. And so the thought of even being able to get to that point was like this goal that I set for myself. And then one of my big aha moments was one day I just, I stopped and started to think about, okay, but what happens once I get the house? What is my life going to look like? And is that the life I actually want to build? Because in all honesty, I would have had such a high mortgage that I would have been trapped. I would have had to stay in a job that wasn't really fulfilling for me because I would have had to pay my mortgage. Maybe I couldn't socialize or travel the way I wanted to because I had to pay my mortgage. And I, I just decided, you know what? I need to build a life that I'm excited to live and not just one that I'm supposed to. I think that is so true. It's crazy how much the American dream is, it's almost like a false sense of success. And it really does trap people in, the, even with the economy being so good right now, people are still trapped by their mortgages. And I'm, I'll be the first one to say, I just bought a house three months ago. And we, we got a little bit personal, but I think this is what happens to other people. And thankfully, my wife and I were a little bit well-versed in home buying. So we were told we could buy this obscenely costly house due to our income level. And we're like, no way. If we do that, we're going to be house poor. We're going to have all our money in a house. We're not going to be able to travel. We're not going to be able to save for kids' college. We're not going to be able to go out to eat like we want to. And it's just it's just what is pushed on so many people. All right, so Elliot, to what you were saying and to what Kelly just said minutes before that, it, it seems obvious to us, um, to I guess the three of us, that the, the American dream isn't what it seems and that there should be, um, there are alternative methods to living out your life. And you can actually seek happiness and I guess wealth in a way that sustains you and fulfills you in a more meaningful way than the predetermined method that seems to have been laid in front of us by previous generations. And it seems like, Kelly, that's something that you are now bringing to light and helping people who might not have, um, I don't know, the, the initial, in, initial insight to see that on their own. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. And I think I think you guys are saying it really well. And there's so much about what we think we're supposed to accomplish and achieve that it's it's hard for most people to even think about letting go of that because even if it's difficult and they're strapped down with a mortgage, there's a, a sense of security and safety in doing the thing that everybody else expects you to do. And so what what I have found is that my role in the coaching that I do now is to help people process through the things that they're afraid of, the limiting beliefs that they're saying in their head about why they can't possibly live a life that's different from what everybody else is doing, um, because we have these common sets of fears. You know, people are afraid if I step out, what will people think I'm crazy? If I do something different, what if I fail? What if I try this other thing and that doesn't make me happy either and I fail, then what? And so we, we think of these fears as if they are already reality. And so then we just stay in our comfort zone. So yeah. my role is to help people like pull them out of that comfort zone 
and to be an example of like, look, you really can create a different kind of life and find happiness in places other than wealth or status or position, career growth, all those things. Yeah. So my, I guess one of my biggest questions on this is the, that fear is so overwhelming. I mean, I've felt it myself and I've overcome it in, in some ways. In some ways, I still have not, um, have not managed to move past it. How do you, how do you help people or, you know, somehow nail it home to certain people that they have to take this step, that you just have to sometimes do it, like take that leap of faith. That very first step seems like the most crucial part. What do you say to these people? Yeah. So the biggest thing, and you guys know this because you started a podcast that didn't exist before, right? So you had to start doing something that you couldn't prove was going to be successful or failure, right? But the thing that we have to recognize is, look, magic only happens at the intersection of planning and leaping. So a lot of times we want to wait until we've got all the answers and then we'll take a step, but you leave no space for magic to happen then. So what you have to do is get get ready to say, look, even before I know what the answer is going to be, I'm willing to take a step because I get one shot at this life, just one, and I want my life to really be one that I'm excited to live. So what I do is I ask a lot of questions. So like you mentioned that you like you still can deal with fear. So I would ask you questions and you can answer these if you want to not do it hypothetically. What are you still afraid of? You know, well, it's that's kind of broad. I don't. I don't have anything like sharks. specific off the top of my. I'm very. Oh yeah, that's. That I'm very afraid of sharks. But I don't think that's what we're talking about no. for the, in this particular uh, conversation. Um, you know, I would have to think about it more. I don't know, but I do know that I have not yet accomplished everything that I want to accomplish. Um, and I just, I guess, need to f- think about that a little bit more and maybe zone in on certain things. Um, yeah. So, so you can ask yeah. follow up questions like, okay, what haven't you done yet that right. you really want to do? And then the next question is, what's the biggest barrier keeping you from getting there? So I think another thing is a lot of times we actually really already know the answers inside of us. Our intuition, our gut already knows, but we just sometimes need some space and some help pulling those answers up. And then we have to learn to trust ourselves because you already know, right? So you've just got to learn to listen to what what your mind, your soul, your intuition are already telling you and then trust it. Yeah. And, and something, I guess, to think about, and, and this is probably something you tell the people that you're helping, is that, you know, if you do take those, the, that initial leap and you do take those steps and you fail, you're essentially just back to where you originally started, which might not be that bad as it is. Uh, so for me, something that I've, I'm established in is working out. Um, I've been doing it for a long time now, and uh, people might come to me for tips, and when I tell them is, you know, you may be you may be really far behind, and you may have a long journey ahead of you, but you can the time is going to pass regardless. And you can either be in the same position you're in right now in two years, or you can start the very slow process, but those two years are going to pass no matter what. Where do you want to be? Yeah. But I think a lot of people don't understand that everyone goes through that process. No one gets fit and is healthy immediately. I mean, there are people that, yeah, they have naturally high metabolisms. They have, are naturally thin, but that doesn't mean they're athletes. People have to train. And I know myself, like I get stuck in the day-to-day and it's not until I either take a vacation or actively remove myself from a routine to observe it 
as an outsider to see, is this what I want? Am I doing what I wish to be doing at this given point in my life? And am I on track to do what I want to do in my life in the future? Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> well, and so, so Kelly, so, you know, now that you've established someone that, that needs your help and you maybe have an idea of what their fears are, do you then come up with a plan with that person? Do you maybe write it down or draw it out? How do you actually, like, what's that, the actual um, like real visual process. Yeah. So, um, it, it depends on the actual client too, because I, I try to like be conscious that not everybody learns the same way, but what I tend to do is develop, um, reflective exercises. So like before we meet the, a client would go through and answer questions that are getting them thinking about whatever the subject is. And so like in my, I have a three month program that whatever your goal is, if you want to take a sabbatical like I did, you want to change your career, you want to change relationships, it doesn't actually matter what your goal is. We start with the foundation of addressing fears and limiting beliefs and how those are really cemented inside the person. And so to answer your question, they would do reflective reflective questions before we meet. And then while we meet, I ask additional questions to get at like, you know, what's the actual root of like, say, let's take, for example, the fear of rejection, which is a big one for people. People don't want to deal with rejection. Um, so every person is going to respond to that fear of rejection in a different way. So uh, we'll, we'll figure out in their, in their life, how does the fear of rejection show up and what has that done to keep them from going after their goal? And here's what I often say is that when we respond to the fear that we have, so let's take fear of rejection as an example we often end up creating the very thing that we're afraid of. So rejection is the opposite of connection. What you really want is to connect with people, right? And so most people will deal with the fear of rejection in one of two ways. They're either a striver or a hider. A striver is going to be somebody who's like, I don't want anybody to reject me. So I'm going to be friends with everybody. I'll be whatever anybody wants me to be. And then nobody will reject me. But the problem with that is you haven't connected with your authentic self. And so when you are alone by yourself and you know that the person you've connected with to so many people is not actually you, you're still going to say to yourself, well, if they really knew me, they would disconnect from me. They would reject me. So you end up being rejected. On the other side, you have people who um, are, they're hiders. And so they're going to say rejection. Like, I'm just going to build a big wall around myself. And that way nobody can get in to reject me because I've built the wall. But if I have a wall around me, and I actually connect to people? No, because I have a wall built around me. So I've actually created my own rejection. See what I'm saying? So yeah. I help people try to think differently about like when they live in the fear, what result does that actually bring? Yeah, that's <laughs> kind of trying to process that because it. Yeah. I, a lot of people, that, I, even for me, that doesn't that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I wouldn't have thought about it that way at all. And some of that fear, I. Bob was trying to figure out what his fears are right now. I was, as you asked him that, I was trying to figure out what my fears were. And part of it really is there are, they're there, but it's diagnosing it and determining what it is, digging truly deep to find the root of that fear and the fear itself. Right. And what, what we'll often find is, you know, fear shows up initially in your life, usually to protect you for a good reason. It shows up because it's trying to serve you. But the problem is, Instead of just being like, oh, come take a little bit of space in the living room. Now fear ends up taking up the whole house. And you're like, listen, fear, you were supposed to come in and protect me from those bullies in grade school. And thank you for coming then. But now actually 
you're preventing me from living the life I want to live. So it, it really, it's a complex process to get to like, what are the roots for each person? Because they'll have come from different places. Everybody's life experience is a little bit different. So my role is to help them identify, you know, where did that voice come from for you? What was it trying to do to serve you? And how can we like thank it for its service, but like let it go so that you can actually live the life that you really want to live. So um, in order to keep this generally on par with travel, um, I want to, I guess, maybe get more specific to um, the type of person that you may be helping that maybe has fears of being stuck in a job, but maybe really wanting to travel. It's something that I've, I've thought about. And it, it, yeah, I mean, I guess that's it. Yeah. So <laughs> let's elaborate on that. Yeah. So, I mean, what I can talk about really deeply is my own experience and, um, you know, my process of going through that because I was exactly in that place. And, you know, I had always wanted to take an extended, fairly unstructured time to travel, but I always told myself, I'm going to do that when I retire, right? When it's safe to do that. Um, But in reality, when I had that epiphany about like, look, I don't actually want to be overloaded with a mortgage as a single person with no family. I, I don't want that in my life. What what do I actually want? And so travel came back in the picture and I had to ask like, okay, well, why do I have to wait till I retire? Why can't I do it now? So you'd start asking those same questions and then the fears will come up. The fear of like, okay, but I'm leaving something that's safe and secure. And what if I can't find a job when I come back? What if um, I go and something really terrible happens when I travel. Like all those fears are normal things to experience, especially as a, a solo female traveler. So I, when I'm coaching uh, females who are thinking about traveling by themselves and they're, they really want to, but they haven't done it and they're scared. And so we just, we talk through, again, it's the same thing. Like when we're, when we are afraid of something, when we let that fear rule us, it's like we've already made it a reality. So if I'm afraid of solo travel as a female because I might be unsafe, so I don't do it, how, well, what if I was going to be safe? Like, why does that have to be, why do we have to only live in the negative? So when it comes to travel and leaving like safe, secure jobs, a lot of the same fears come up. So those fears of like, what if it, what if I fail? What if I can't make this work? What if I can't get a job when I come back? All those things. The, well, the biggest one is what if, to me that I'm thinking of, you know, what if you, what if that person just practically doesn't have the funds to go at that point would you maybe like would you would you help them set up that account in over time you know maybe you don't leave tomorrow maybe you leave in five years or something like that is that how it works yeah so um, budget the program that we talk about and so in that like for example um, it, first of all we address that you can travel for a lot less than most people think and so I help people to see like Here's ways to find good good deals on airfare, and here's ways to uh, connect with local people so you're living like a local instead of as a tourist, and prices change then too. So uh, those are things that we talk about in the program. And then if they need to budget, we also talk about that. Like, let's make a plan here. Um, and a lot of people too, like you need to make a plan for leaving your job. Like that's for most people, it's not like, oh, just tomorrow I can up and quit and everything's going to be fine. Right. We've got to make a plan for that. And so uh, we ser- I certainly help people walk walk through all of those pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. And as you mentioned earlier, the magic happens where planning and you eventually take that leap. So you can plan as much as you want to transition out of your job, transition into a nomadic lifestyle, but 
there will always be a factor of unknown. And I think that's part of the overriding fear from everything that we've been talking about is the fear that I don't know what it's going to do. Like, I don't know where I'm going to be in a year if I'm traveling. I don't know how to travel safely. But a lot of that is experience. And you don't get experience by not doing something. Very well said. And riding the momentum once you get started. You know, something that I've, I think I've probably said this before, it's not can I, it's like how can I? It's just figuring it out along the way. Yeah. Well, exactly like you said, you do, until you do it, you don't actually know. I, I think a lot of people will ask, well, I want to travel, but why can I just do it with my vacation time? Isn't that going to be enough? Is that is that enough for me to feel some of that success without having the wealth, but getting cultural success? If that's it. I, I think I just made that up. Cultural <laughs> success. I like it. It's a, it's a, good. Let's coin that term. Yeah. 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 I think we should all start using it. <laughs> Cultural success. But yeah, Bob and I were looking at some articles before we wanted to talk with you. And one of those was um, that in 2000, the average American took 21 days of vacation. And as of three years ago, they're at just over 16. So why is it dropping? And why do they feel people feel that they have to stay at work, that they can't take vacation? And is it is it part of the system? Is it part of the social aspect of working in the United States? Because I we're not we're not the only country that does this, but there's also other countries that are very successful in providing vacation and actual time off. Yeah, I I'm I mean I can't speak for everybody, but I, I think for the people that I talk with, I think there's a fear and I the I am so glad that you shared that article as well because I, it was really intriguing for me to read that. And um th it talked to about how like some people will attribute the economy to the reason like people are afraid of losing their job, but they actually compared the the number of days taken to like how how unemployment was in those years and when unemployment was the worst actually people were still taking a lot of vacation and so somehow there's there's a false belief of like if i don't take my vacation i'm going to look like a better employee and so i'll be promoted more or you know everybody nobody else is taking vacation so i shouldn't either i think the social pressure can really be a big piece of this. Um, and then the other thing I think is like, you know, a lot of people when they vacation, they don't actually take a break anymore because they're still connected. They're checking their emails. They're checking their text messages. You know, depending on what their role is, there's all kinds of ways they're still connecting back to that job. And they're not actually, you know, taking a break. And so maybe some people just are like, well, the vacation is not actually feeling good to me anymore. <laughs> so I'm not going to take it. I don't know. What do you guys think? Why do you think people aren't taking the days? I think there's a lot of that mentality of uh, if I take if I take a vacation, my boss will see me as someone who doesn't believe in the company and doesn't want to work hard for the company. And in that same article, there was statistics that showed people that took vacation as opposed to people that didn't va take vacation were more likely to be promoted for the same job. And I think yeah. it was almost twice as much, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. It was not. It was science or statistically accurate it was actually a correlation not just a random coincidence it seems obvious to me that that would that would benefit you by taking a break from work and decompressing and helping your mind heal 
from the stresses of your job that you can then go back to it and be re-energized and do a better job in the time you're, that you're there. You're more present while you're, you're working because you know you put in your time and then eventually you get that time off for yourself. Um, it's odd to me that, that some people just would rather push through to the point of exhaustion and just slowly wither away for, for, for these companies. I, I think that, you know, your program, Kelly, and, and other programs um, that you're seeing now pop up on social media are taking ground because people are kind of realizing that they don't have to necessarily do this anymore. It, it, are you noticing good traction with your, with your company and the movement and, and the people that are now waking up? Yeah, I mean, thankfully, I think that some forward thinking companies now are, you know, they're changing vacation policies. First of all, there's a lot of companies that have unlimited vacation policies. There's a lot of companies who are, are letting workers go remote more than they would have in the past, because they're thinking more about like, are we getting the job done versus like is somebody's butt in a seat in an office. So I think that's the good news that um, there's a trend that is showing us that it's not always going to look like it looks right now. I think on the flip side of that is we're see- we can still see by statistics that especially U.S.-based folks are not taking vacation. And the article also talked about something that I talk a lot about with my clients is like the way that you vacation is also super important. So this is one thing I talk about a lot. Tell me if you guys can relate to this. I certainly, this was my pattern the whole time I was working. I would work so hard like all year and then get ready for like two weeks of vacation that were going to be this great grand vacation that were going to rejuvenate me and regenerate me. Everything was going to change because of these two weeks. I'd get away and I would actually feel that way. I would feel regenerated, rejuvenated, relaxed. And I would say things to myself like, hey, you know what? When I go back, I'm going to have a different attitude. I, that coworker that was so annoying, like I'm not going to be annoyed by them anymore. I'm not going to let my boss bother me if they feel like micromanaging or my employees, however it was. I'm going to be like the perfect model employee, the perfect boss because I feel so good. And then you get back and what happens? Like within a week or two weeks, boom, you are back to exactly like it was. It's like the, there's a vacation honeymoon period when you get back from vacation and you do feel good. You feel all of those effects of vacation, but it only lasts for a little bit. And I think that talks a little bit about the baseline happiness level and mindset that people have. Because after weddings, after big life events, that happiness spikes, it still resets to a normal baseline. And that's why I think we need to take vacations more frequently and maybe smaller vacations even just a day off here and there yeah well that's something that i have i've had an issue with my vacations that's similar to what you just said kelly where especially when you you plan them around the world and you only have a limited time and you kind of like fly across the you know across the atlantic you're going to europe or you're going to asia and then you you jam a bunch of activities in there and then you fly right back and you're right back into your routine. Sometimes my vacation honeymoon period lasts like four hours. So it's the plane, <laughs> ride, it's the plane ride back. Yeah. yeah it, and then I'm like right back into my routine and it's torturous. And so that's why I, I, I really liked when I saw your program, like the, the, the idea behind it to ensure that every day is valuable to you. Um, yeah, I, th- yeah. I, I, I love it. Yeah, setting intention, I think, is so important. And the article that you you guys are talking about, that Harvard Business Review one, it talks about it a little bit because it talked about people who set intention with their trip and were like had it planned ahead of time, had more like rewards from that from that time away. I think that also depends how you're wired, because me as an individual, I actually like unstructured time. 
So having time that I didn't have planned in advance helps me feel more relaxed. But the, the whole point is we have to be more intentional because if we, if we just think that we're going to have some big shift when we go on vacation, the reality is nothing has changed back home. Your, your workplace hasn't changed. Your home life hasn't changed. Nothing has changed. And if you don't take time while you're away to think about intentional shifts and changes that you want or need and how you're going to make those, then nothing is going to be different when you go back because it was just an experience you had. And then you're coming back to the same, you're plugging right back into the same thing. So we have to be intentional and really take some time while we're away to say, to ask ourselves questions. What do I want my life to look like? How doesn't it look like that now? What do I need to shift in order to get there? And what are my obstacles going to be? so that I can start making a game plan for when I come back. I think travel is is extremely important for kind of producing those thoughts and being being more of a catalyst because if you just went to a friend's house for a week in the same area you live in, it's still fairly similar surroundings. Your brain's not picturing or it's not seeing things differently. Travel opens up your mind and you start to think about things more creatively. It is proven that travel actually increases creativity. And when your brain is firing on all cylinders, especially when you're walking around and blood flowing, you start to think about things a lot more clearly. Yeah, you kind of get a get an idea for your place in the world too. You know, that the world isn't revolving around, revolving around your life in your home country. And then you kind of can take a step back and view the big picture. Um, so Kelly, can you give me, give me, give us more information on kind of your process? So you've been traveling two years. Is that, was that correct? Yeah. So I, well, I traveled for two years straight and then I went back to LA so I could launch my coaching business, kind of get things set up and structured. And then now I'm back on the road again, as you know, coming to you from Morocco at the moment. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I am set up now that I will be traveling about three to four months at a time. And then I'll go back to the U S for a little while and then three to four months at a time. So that's my own time. And then the coaching programs I've set up, I've set it up. So like people could be anywhere in the world and still participate in the programs because it's all online. Um, and so I work with people in a few different ways. Uh, I'm doing a whole series of workshops actually in the U.S. starting in New York on August 11th. And those are just two hour short workshops to help people just start thinking about like, what is it that you really want to do that you're not doing? Um, asking some really good questions and there's lots of interaction. So people walk away with action steps at the end. So I'm, that's one way. Uh, I also do one-on-one coaching. And then I'm also going to be launching a group coaching program in September, which will give people a chance to have some one-on-one and group coaching at the same time um, so that they're building a community with other people who are you know, working on creating a new life, traveling more, doing the things that they really want to do. Um, and also be learning from the way that I coach as well. That's awesome. I mean, so, so you're in Morocco now, where are you, do you have plans for your next stop? So I'll be here until I go back to the U S to start those workshops. So, I mean, that's really only a few weeks away. It's incredible to believe, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's not that far away. So I'll be in Morocco until then, and then I'm traveling to those 11 cities and then I'll go back to LA. And uh, from LA, I'll launch the group coaching program. And then um, I'm not quite sure. I would love any, you guys or any of your viewers, if you have suggestions for my next stop. Um, my next stop, I want it to be, I want to be able to go somewhere for a good 
two, three months so I can get settled in a place that I, that I, you know, I know what's happening locally, kind of like I've been in Morocco now for about five weeks. So I kind of know the lay of the land and it's not constantly moving um, and able to, you know, get in a little bit of a routine, even though it's in a new place. Can I throw out a recommendation? Please. Croatia. It's a country that I'm obsessed with. <laughs> I've talked about it so many times, um, but I love it. I've been there. I drove through. I road trip through the whole country. And if you are interested, if you do maybe a little bit of your own research and you find that you're interested in learning more, reach out. I, I'd love to talk to you about it and help you out. Awesome. But, yeah, I'd love beautiful. to talk more about it. I've, I haven't been, but I've heard incredible things about Croatia. It is. It's very Italy-esque in the food scene and the kind of Mediterranean vibes, but way less touristy. Uh, a lot cheaper. Um, and to me, that kind of makes it a little bit more enjoyable. Um, so yeah, yeah, definitely something to maybe think about. So you're a true digital nomad. Yeah, seriously. I am a true digital nomad. Yeah. Well, and that's one of those things like I'm I'm guessing that there are some listeners who feel like I did maybe even six months ago, like I knew that I was creating this life, but somehow I still was like, Oh, I'm not a digital nomad. It's not I'm not. That's not me. That's other people. Like I wasn't letting myself embrace that that's actually my life, but in actuality, that's the life I want. And so I'm, why was I resisting it? I had to coach myself <laughs> through that. Yeah, that's, yeah. well, yeah, it, I'm sure for someone who is in similar shoes that you were in, you know, who wants to actually quit their job and travel, that's probably a prerequisite. How are you going to make money on the road? Right. Are there a few methods to do that, that you have in mind for people? Yeah. So one of the big things that I say to people is think about any skills that you already have that you could teach other people, because there are so many platforms now where you can develop like online courses and uh, share the knowledge that you already have, the experience that you already have and sell that to help other people learn those sets of skills. And so that's one thing that um, you can do and be unique in your own way. So each person can look at their own set of skills. Are you a teacher? great. What could you, what, what skills about teaching? Can you teach other teachers things that you've learned how to be a good teacher? Uh, if you have been a real estate agent, are there things that you could uh, package and sell as your knowledge to people that would buy it and watch your course online and ma you make money while you're sleeping because the course is selling itself? So that's one of the big things that I think a lot of people don't think about. And then there, there are more and more job boards now that are focused on remote work. So. Um, there, there are more, more companies are thinking, okay, I know people are looking for jobs like this. So let me create a job board so people can come to one place and find a lot of options for digital nomads. Hmm. I know one thing that we've actually, Bob and I used to start this podcast was Fiverr. And it is basically a freelance website that people, it's everything digital. And you just interact directly with people. They're promoting their own work whether it be reviewing an essay that you wrote to photoshopping you out of a photo or into another scene or providing intro music for a podcast. And it's really cool. And that platform has been there for a lot longer than I thought it had been around. I think it's been eight or 10 years. Yeah. It's wow. been a long time. So yeah. Fiverr is a good one. Upwork is another one. Uh, where people can, you know, offer their skills. I certainly, if you have, if any of the listeners have digital skills, so they can do coding, they can do design work. There are a lot of options out there for you to work remotely and to do like to be able to travel and still have an income coming. So if you've got those skills, you have a big advantage. 
Wow. Yeah. I mean, after you were saying that, you know, real estate agent and you were taking off some careers that, that you could transition into working online, I started to run through my own and you could, there's so many that you could do is especially you, you wouldn't actually perform the, the task, but you would teach the task through, through a webinar. That's, I, I, that's a great tip. That's something I just learned something new today. <laughs> Awesome. And you, like you said, yeah. like you've been, fitness has been a big part of your life. So you could totally take that and be like, okay, what are the common questions people ask me? And you could create a course around that because you know, people want that information. Yeah. And Bob, what's to say that we can't take a podcast on the road? We, we really could. Yeah. I mean, with a lot of this, this equipment is portable. Elliot, wherever we go next, uh, we'll right. try to do it from the road. We should have did it at the top of Mount, Mount uh, Machu Picchu. We should have. We did a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to hearing like where the like the most remote place that you guys do a podcast from. All I right. want to hear about that. Challenge accepted. Yes, challenge <laughs> yeah. accepted. Well, we are fun. eyeing up China in a few years, so maybe that's what we'll do. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, if you also, I spent like four months in a like remote Fijian island. Um, so if you guys want to do that, I can connect you to those families. Uh, yeah. See, that's that's my favorite part about this. Uh, this is going to be a little bit of a side tangent, but over the last year that Bob and I have been doing this podcast, one of my favorite things is making connections with people like yourself and sharing connections that you have across the world. And essentially for us, this is just building a global network of people that we can either visit or say hi to, or when they visit the United States, we get to show them around. And it is unbelievably fulfilling and enjoyable to say, oh my gosh, now I know someone in a remote Fijian island. Or when you go to Colorado and you get to meet up with someone that was on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, well, we legitimately know people all over the world now, which is really weird to say because it's it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. yeah the, it's amazing. And especially because obviously, you know, you guys are passionate about travel. Your listeners are passionate about travel. I'm passionate about travel. We're coming together because we all share that passion for exploring new things, meeting new people, understanding new cultures. And so when you bring people who have a like mind together and they have a heart for sharing, oh my gosh, it's amazing. So I love that you guys are building that community. It's so powerful. I can see your group sessions being very successful for that reason, because you're going to bring people together who all sort of have an, a, a common interest, a common goal, who may be in different steps along the way, who can then offer insight to to one another. I think that that's going to be huge. I really like that idea. Yeah. 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 I hope so. I, I have, I mean, I'm, I'm as I'm developing the, the content, I'm really looking forward to it. So yeah, I think it'll be great. Who comes to you the most? Is it people that want to travel, want to quit their jobs and travel? Do you have like a, a specific client, client base? Yeah. So when I first started, my focus was trying to, trying to help people who were ready to take a sabbatical. And still, I think that that's, that is a core part of my passion because it's my, my story, right? So I took this sabbatical and had these transformations. So that's where I started to focus. But what I found, actually, my very first client, she signed up with me because we were having a conversation and, and she was like, oh, but I would have to save so much money to do, uh, to do this. I said, well, how long do you want to take a sabbatical for? And she said, well, just one month. And I said, I could show you how to do that. One, one month of sabbatical have really amazing experiences for like $1,500. And she was like, what? <laughs> Ooh, that's it. I'm signing up. <laughs> but what she found, so she signed up because she was like, she was thinking about how could I do this for less money? 
But what, what she found, because remember I said we'd start talking about fears and limiting beliefs and the things that are holding us back from living the way we want to live. And as we went through those things, I remember we were only a few weeks in and we, we got on a call and she said to me, I said, well, tell me about your highlights this week. And she was like, oh my gosh, I had this epiphany. I realized I, I, I still want to take a sabbatical at some point, but I can actually start making the shifts I really want now. I don't have to wait for a sabbatical. And so that opened my mind too to say like, okay, well, how could I help other people who maybe they're not ready yet for the sabbatical? Maybe that's too big of a leap, but they want to start making some shifts. And so right now I tend to attract the people who are mid-career feeling that like, am I really building the life I want to build or should I make some shifts? I, I Or I know I want to make a shift, but I'm not sure how. I'm a little bit scared. I don't know what to do next. And so that's really the base. And so some of those people will take a sabbatical, some won't. But the, the core is that they have reached a point where they're like, look, I've got to do something different because I'm not satisfied. So when I was doing a little bit of research on Designer Detour and you and what you've done, the, the one note I wrote in our blueprint was that it seems like you are preempting a midlife crisis. That's a great That's like way to pre, say it. premeditated midlife crisis. <laughs> yes. Yes, I, I like to call it a, a, a mid-life shift. It doesn't have to be a crisis. Right. We're just shifting something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, but that's a great, I love that. I'm, can I use that? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. It's fantastic. So, yeah. go ahead, Elliot. No, you go, Bob. Well, I was just going to ask if we can get into maybe more details of actually like, you know, what you offer and maybe how someone would sign up and, and the programs that you would list out to them and maybe the tips on how how an individual would get started. Yeah. So if anybody wants to have a conversation, so um, I always want to make sure that it's a good fit between me and a client. You know, you want to make sure that you you gel right, that, you, that you're on the same wavelength, that you, it just fits, right? So um, I offer people a free 30 minute initial just conversation. So we can talk, I can learn a little bit about them. They can learn a little bit about me. The biggest thing is go, uh, people can go to designyourdetour.com, which is my website. And on there, they could sign up for any of the things that I've talked about. So the workshops that I'm offering, there's a link that talks about, you know, sign up for upcoming workshops. Uh, if you want to set up a call with me, there's also a link on there as well. And that'll link you to a calendar where you can just pick a time and then I'll confirm with you and we'll have a conversation. And then for the actual group programs, I really, I want to have conversations with people before they would sign up for those anyway, because again, we want to make sure it's a right fit, that they're really ready for it. Because here's the thing, it sounds really glamorous to like create a life you're, you've been dreaming about, right? Who doesn't want to do that? But the reality is you've got to be ready to do some hard work because you have to address like those fears, those limiting beliefs, and then you really have to make shifts. And so I want people who are really ready not just like, maybe I want it someday, but like they're really ready because that's when you're going to find actual success. You've got to be ready. You can't take any half measures. Well, I, have you, have you had to tell anybody like, you know what, you're not really ready yet? Um, so thankfully, so as a coach, part of my job is to ask really good questions, right? Um, so thankfully, a lot of times in that initial conversation, the person will identify themselves that they're not quite ready. So I haven't had to tell anybody, nope, sorry, I won't work with you. But I can tell you talking to other coaches, that does happen. So sometimes it, it, it just isn't the right time or not the right fit. Um, and that's okay. Like, you, you do it when it's, look, I want people to work with me and walk away feeling like, that was the best thing I could have done. And if I know from the beginning they're not ready, they're not going to have that feeling. And so 
I, I want people to feel like I got I got everything I paid for and more because I've ma- I've made the shifts I really wanted to make. And so we want we, we we all want to feel good, right? When it's done, I want to feel good. I want them to feel good. So we want to start from the beginning on a good foot. I think based on our conversation that anybody talking to you that didn't feel good was not paying attention. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very motivating. And it's, it's, you have a good way of putting it into words that, that really break it down. Um, because that's really, I think, the, the most daunting task is uh, micromanaging your life. Well, I guess first establishing your fears and then micromanaging them one by one. Uh, breaking it down, how do I resolve this fear, and then moving forward at that point. So, yeah. I Yeah. And clarity is the other piece, like being actually really clear about what you want. Because here's another thing that, you know, when I, when I, when people hear my story, a lot of times the response I'll get is like, oh, I wish I could do that. I, I really want to do that. And then my follow-up is like, okay, well, why can't you? But the reality is not everybody actually wants that thing. It just sounds like it might sound glamorous to them, but it's not what they actually want. So get clear about what you want for your own life. And it doesn't have to look like somebody else's. You know, I took a sabbatical and traveled solo. That may not be the solution for everybody. Maybe somebody else that's really just like they need to change their job and everything else in their life is fine. So mm-hmm. getting clear and getting okay with that. Like you don't have to have a life that somebody else has because it's the same reason. Otherwise, we're doing the same thing with like getting the big mortgage and the big house and the car and the new TV. We're doing the same thing with a life that you don't actually want, even though it looks glamorous. Does that make sense? Yep. It's understanding yes. what you're getting into. Yeah. Where was your sabbatical to? Where did you go? So I, um, that was the two years. So I ended up in about 28 countries during those two years. And, but primarily I spent a lot of time, like I mentioned, those four months on the remote island in Fiji. And then I spent two more months in the main island of Fiji. I spent about, uh, eight weeks in New Zealand and eight weeks in South Africa. So those countries I spent a lot of time in. And then the other countries were, uh, you know, just just smaller pieces. Were they primarily in Asia? No, actually, I didn't go anywhere in Asia. <laughs> yeah, nowhere in Asia. <laughs> so where where else? What continent were you on? So I um, so Australia, New Zealand, Fiji. So that's like the South Pacific. And then in Europe, I went to a number of countries. In Africa, I went to South Africa, Zimbabwe, Zambia, uh, Lesotho, um, Tanzania, Zanzibar. I think I'm forgetting one. I'm forgetting one African continent. I mean, country. And then um, also Brazil. I'm not Brazil. Argentina, Costa Rica, Mexico, obviously the U.S. I went to like some new places in the U.S. like Alaska. So I consider that was a new place. Yeah. That's Um, almost a different country. Yeah, really. Alaska really is. It might as well be. It's like its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. What was your favorite? Which one was your favorite? So I get that question a lot. It's so hard to answer. But I think if I just answer that overall, it was Fiji. And it's a lot because, you know, you guys were talking earlier about the benefit of travel and how it gives you a perspective outside of your own. And, you know, in Fiji, I really, it's a very different culture, especially from Los Angeles, going from LA, which is, you know, the second biggest city in the US, always busy, always stuff going on to a remote island village where there's limited electricity, like to charge my phone, I'd have to go to the neighbor's house in order to charge my phone Um, and outdoor plumbing, outdoor kitchen, all of that. Um, but seeing like the way that they live in community and the way that they find joy and peace and uh, relationship, it really challenged me to think about 
the things that I valued and the way I wanted to spend my time. You know, people people would ask me, what did you do for four months? Like, didn't you get bored? And I was like, well, I actually think there's value in letting yourself get to a place of quote unquote boredom because you give your brain some space to start thinking about things. You know, instead of like, we are constantly occupied in our regular daily life. So even if you like, say you go to the DMV and you're in line, rather than have a conversation with somebody, what are you going to do? You're going to pull out your phone and start checking Facebook, checking emails, playing Candy Crush. Like you're not connecting to people, you're distracting yourself, right? And so that time away really, it really did shift some internal values in such a great way for me. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. And here you are. So I was just to speak on the the, uh, meditation, I guess. Uh, I was just listening to a podcast on meditation and the guy actually talked about exactly that. He's like, you know, I was sitting in the the doctor's office and I had the option to take out my phone while I was waiting or just close my eyes. And you have to force yourself to think about nothing, which is kind of hard to do. Um, but if you can do it and, and, and actually visualize nothing, you can actually really get a benefit from that, even if it's only 20 minutes or 10 minutes. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are actually scared of not doing anything and letting their mind run. Bingo. Because yeah. so many people just want to keep busy to just keep their mind busy and not think about things that are hard. Right. Well, that if you're listening to this and, and that's one of your biggest issues and you have you struggle with with letting your mind wonder maybe reaching out to kelly is a good idea (laughs) mindfulness is very big right now it it, It is it's a it's a huge thing and you know i think we we often will let our brain take us in a negative way you know we think about all the things that could go wrong because we think we'll, we'll feel safe if we make plans to get ready for all the things that could go wrong but we don't give our brain the space to think about all the things that could go amazing and right and how do we align ourselves up for all those amazing and right things? And I think that's all part of what you're talking about. Like you, but you have to, in order to get to that good place, you have to be willing to let the bad stuff come too. So, yeah. you know, put your phone down, experience the bad stuff, but experience the good stuff too. Why is that so hard for us? Like, why is it so easy to sit down and maybe envision a plan where you quit your job and you travel the world and then immediately the first thing to start popping in your head are all these failures or what ifs or why can I do it? Like, why why are we wired, not wired to a point where you think of that and you just think of the entire situation just playing out perfectly. Everything goes right and you live happily ever, happily ever after. And <laughs> that's just not the way our brains work. We're just not wired that way, I guess. Fear I guess is a like very a powerful motivator. Yeah. And well. also, you know, when we when we can so when we think about all those things that could go wrong, we maintain a sense of control because automatically when you think of what could go wrong, you start to start to also think about well, what would I do? How would I solve that? What would be the the thing? Or we just don't take any action because we're like, well, I don't want to face whatever that would feel like. So I'm either going to do nothing or I'm going to so that's still control, right? Because then I can stay in my safe space. I'm still in control. Or I can think through all the possible things that might happen. And then I feel like, okay, I know what's going to happen. And now I can take a step forward. But the reality is, even with the most perfectly laid plans, as you guys know, with podcasting, does it go perfectly every time that you try to do it? What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) No, right? Like you, like you have to do it. And then you realize like, oh, this is a problem. This is a problem. Now we can fix it. You're dealing with the reality instead of like just a thought. But I think that sense of control, you know, to answer the question about why 
is it so much easier to go to all the negative things? I think it has to do with like, we want to feel like we're in control. I would agree. Actually, we never are. Never. (laughs) Right. I mean, you could plan as much as you want and then, yeah, anything can hit you at any point. Life, life, as they say, hits you when you're, when you're least expecting it. Yeah. Kelly, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I feel like I've learned a lot. I, I won't speak for Bob, but I we usually feel about the same after each episode. Yeah, I'm going to probably listen to this one at least maybe two more times. Yeah, maybe just take it all in. Take yeah, some there's notes. a lot to digest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Before before we get off, though, share your, your social media and your websites, please. Where can people yeah. reach you? Yeah, for sure. So just want to say thank you to you guys. I've really enjoyed chatting with you also. And I love talking to other people who like we have that same heart for travel and new experiences. So thank you so much for having me on. And I can't wait to connect with you guys again and your listeners. So uh, my website is designyourdetour.com. And then you can find me on uh, Facebook under the same name and Instagram as well. And then also, if you want to follow me personally, it's Kelly Abanda, A-B-A-N-D-A on Facebook and my Instagram handle is beautifully lost and found. So that's where you can find me. And I would love to connect with, uh, with your listeners. If anybody who's listening has questions that you want to ask, you can hit me on social media as well. And then also go to that website. You know, I'm going to those 11 cities uh, across the U S and so you can find those on the website as well. And so if you're in one of those cities, please, the tickets are super affordable. I would love to have you there and help you start figuring out getting clarity about what you want and getting some action steps in place. So please, 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 I would love to see you guys there. Take that leap, people. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, should I take that leap? Yes, you should take that leap. That means you, that means you should take that leap. <laughs> so thank you again. Thank you for coming on. That was an awesome episode, and so I think one of the most admirable things about our conversation with Kelly is that she was able to admit to herself that she wasn't happy with the life she was building and had to come up with the courage to take that leap of faith and change it, and that's really the first step in the process when you think about it. It's putting your humility to the side and being, I guess, real with yourself, and as we see with Kelly, when you do that, you can discover what you truly want and find a level of happiness that you didn't even know you could reach. Yeah, it's the first step in arguably the hardest step. It's the step that nobody wants to even try to get past. Right. It's the, yeah, I agree. It's the major roadblock for anything like this, um, you know, and, and, and beyond. It's the first step in bettering yourself in any way for, from whether it's, you know, taking on exercise or, you know, financial responsibility. It's admitting it, admitting that you're not happy with the, the way that you're doing things in that moment. And then, and then building upon that momentum, but you need that momentum somehow. And a lot of times it's admitting to yourself that there's a problem. Yeah. And it's, I mean, there's a famous Robert Frost poem about called the road not taken. And that's really what this is. It's, it's just diverting from the norm and finding a path and calling it your own and being happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, very admirable. And we both learned a lot on this episode and we're really looking forward and staying in, staying in contact with Kelly, uh, learning more as she grows her own platform and uh, who knows, maybe coordinating with each other again at some point in the future. And lastly, before we sign off, here's a message directly from Kelly. Come gain clarity on your goals, design crystal clear action steps, and leave with the confidence to create a life of your dreams. So that's her message for her workshops, what she does in person in the following cities, Appleton, Wisconsin, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Austin, Texas, 
Salt Lake City, Utah, and Seattle, Washington. Now, Kelly also does 90-minute one-on-one virtual coaching sessions, and for those, you can contact her directly at hello at designyourdetour.com. All of this stuff will be on our website if you want to view it that way, or it'll also be on designyourdetour.com. Now, if you want to attend the workshops in person or give Kelly a call, she has offered to use the promo code TRAVELERS, that's 1L if you're in the UK, and you get 50% off the workshops and the one-on-one coaching sessions. So that's roughly 18 bucks for the workshop and 125 for the one-on-one session. Please do not hesitate to reach out to her. Thank you so much for listening and tune in next week.